mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he churned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step All righty, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. My name is Tom. I've got Gato over here. You've got Q. Hope I like that you pointed in the opposite direction. That's on my board, so that's cool. Deal with it. Um, talking about a couple of things tonight, but first and foremost, we're going to get into football. And I want to come out here and say the gold bars were not mine. I've been taking money out of my savings account for years because of reasons and me choosing the commanders to beat the Bills last week was done because I thought they were actually going to play better than they did. So I want to come out and say that right now. Q's trying to talk shit, but he's <laughs> muted. Classic him. Are you trying to run for Senate in New Jersey? Is that what you're doing? Uh, I mean, I don't need to live in New Jersey in order to run for Senate there. So vote so, for me. Free pizza for everybody. Look, I, I don't I don't take any, like... I, I don't. I don't enjoy this, Tom. You I don't. Yes, you do. Kind of. You do. don't. Kind of do. <laughs> but I. I told you, like this is this is just how I felt, honestly. That it just didn't look like the Commanders were ready yet. I don't care about beating up on the Arizona Cardinals. It means absolutely nothing to me. Um, and like, who the else did they beat? Denver. Yeah. Yeah. Denver just got seventy burger put on them. Uh, we'll get into that though. I want to talk about that game because Raheem Mostert. I fucking love you. Both of those guys did fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so as far as it goes, um, I just kind of saw this happening, honestly, because the Buffalo defense is really good. Sacked nine times on Howell. Mm-hmm. And I know your tackles played well, but your interior offense no, is dog shit. Four picks. This is a burn the game tape type of game for Howell. Uh, but again, I, I'm not like down on him. I'm just ultimately, I just think that he was due for one of these type of games. It's a welcome to the NFL game. So, I agree with you. I think it is certainly a welcome to the NFL game. I think there's like that natural growing concern across the fan base that there's like something brewing, but I I think there's a multitude of issues that have happened here. You had mentioned Q that the tackles played well. One of them did. One of them did. Yeah. Um, Andrew Wiley is a fucking turnstile at right tackle, and Sadiq Charles whoa, whoa, whoa. did not play well. That's rude to turnstiles. That's true. That's fair. <laughs> but I think, in particular, there were some issues that were not necessarily Sam Howell's fault, but he was the um, he was the one that had to live with the, the choices. First and foremost, I think the play calling, both sides of the ball, was bad. Um, Eric Bieniemy didn't call a single screenplay until the second half and they only called one and it was called back for holding 
So a part of that Kansas City Chiefs West Coast offense is the screen game and how impactful it can be. You've got guys like Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel there, um, even Jamison Crowder if you wanted to use him that way. I mean, we saw last week how good Brian Robinson was in that screen game where he picked up a lot of yardage, but they didn't they didn't call any of those plays. And they knew this offensive line was going to be an issue at the start of the season. They had some real questions about how Wiley played in the preseason. They had some real questions about how Sidney Charles was going to play. Nick Gates, he's been fine. The left side of the line has been has been manageable. But the a lot of the plays that they called were like these like medium to like deep passes that took a long time to develop and there was just nothing there. And I, I think that they kind of like outsmarted themselves from the offensive perspective. Like Sam Howell was on a really nasty pace to get a lot of sacks this year anyway. And now he's on pace to get 109. Like you have just because you did it in Kansas City doesn't mean it's going to work here. The pieces are not there yet. You have to take advantage of the fact you've got Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson on the same field, run short, quick passes. Also, two, um, 10 carries for Brian Robinson for 70 yards. Why are you only running the ball in the second half? And why are you only giving a guy that's averaging seven yards a carry 10 carries? So Howell made mistakes. No question about that. That one that was the throw to the sidelines that got picked off was bad. That one in the end zone, not great. Um, I, I don't remember the other two, but they were there. That one where he was trying to throw over the linebacker, but the linebacker jumped and got it. It's just an athletic play. Probably shouldn't have been in that position to begin with, but all the same. Games like this are going to happen. Jack Del Rio annoys the fuck out of me. Why are you only rushing three guys or four guys when you have the pieces to do it? They they just did not put enough pressure on Josh Allen to really make an impact on that game. And it was frustrating to see that because they played well for the first three quarters and then the wheels kind of fell off at the end. So... Again, I'll own it. I assumed too much, but I think a lot of people are trying to place blame on Sam Howell not being ready or not being prepared. Like he was just playing the game plan and he was just running the plays that were being called in the headset. The enemy has done well, but I think he needs to kind of simplify the offense, make it fast moving and take advantage of the athletes you have on the field. Yeah, uh, the, the Bills were uh, just quickly. I'll let you go, Gato. Um, I, I 13 rushing attempts the entire game. Yeah, it was not good. Uh, not, and Antonio Gibson, one of those carries was a fumble, by the way. Yeah, I, and but look, I mean, I understand that like the Bills' rush defense hasn't allowed a, a touchdown through three weeks, and also the number four ranked rush defense last year. Um, they only gave up 10 rushing touchdowns last year, which would be tied for third in the NFL. So, I mean, again, not a great rush, not a great time to rush the ball, but like got to do a little bit better than that. So, I mean, the numbers were there to do it. And Robinson, yeah. when he got the ball, he was able he was, to. He was him. moving. Yeah, I saw yeah. him. Yeah. He so, averaged seven yards per carry. This this goes back to, I think, something we've talked about a few times is like the analytics are getting it wrong and coaches are using it as an excuse for why performance on the field is bad because they're solely going by some of these analytics and it's like 
you know what happens when you have a team that statistically is great against the run defense? People don't run against them, which keeps their statistics strong. And until you start chipping away at that and making things work, finding those weaknesses, someone's got to do it. Right. And if you, you can't get anything going, you know, by the pass game, you gotta, you gotta go back to that run game. You gotta go to that screen game. And um, I mean, I think there's just a lot of bad choices made here. Tom, you pointed out perfectly with the three, the three player rush. Look, it's not good, man. It's not, especially against a guy like Josh Allen who can beat you on his feet. He can get moving downfield. So, like, I get you might want to contain him and you want to take out his options to to really hurt you fast, but he's going to figure out a way to get, get that 10 yards at least. And, I mean, it was just it was a very productive day for the Bills. And uh, there was a lot of things that they had to go back into the uh, – in, into the locker room and sort out for the Redskins. Yeah, and it was it was a rough time to have kind of a stinker game like that because they play the Eagles this week. So if you want to talk about, like, defenses that have done well, I think Philadelphia is starting to figure their pieces out. But just going back to what you were saying, God, about play calling. So Brian Robinson had two carries. One was from six yards. One was for 13 that was the start of the second half. The three plays after that, pass, pass, pass. Like, guys, come on. Like, this is easy shit right here. And I also want to – I don't want to, like, poke more fun at Ron Rivera, but, like, guy, you need to be more, like, aware of the expectations of this team because after that game in the press conference, he said, like, well, we're going to have to evaluate the offensive line and the offense in general. It's like, motherfucker, you're the one who built this team. And I love the guys that they have on defense, especially that defensive line. But this is also a byproduct of what happens when you go four straight years of drafting defensive players first. Like all of the guys on the offensive line, three of them are retreads from other teams. Two of them have been here for a long time, but at the same like the depth that we're talking about that makes other teams successful, particularly at the offensive line where you can make average quarterbacks look really, really good. Like they need to build that out more. And I think that will be a continuous weakness throughout the season. And this has been kind of around the league though, right? Is that like, we're just seeing offensive line play just so fucking bad. And it just. In every game that I watched, it's been like, no communication, just poor play. It's unfortunate because it takes away any other aspect of what's happening in the game, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, I wonder if this is just a product of like the talent pool that's coming out of college football right now, or what? There's just extremely athletic defensive players right now, and there's just not, I, I guess either guys that are i've seen it two ways either guys that are small that um can can move and and are quick enough to kind of sustain that but ultimately get overpowered and then you have guys that are too big they can't move fast enough and so there's just constant mismatches because defensive defensive linemen are just 
wholly more athletic at this point. <laughs> I think that's a great I think that's a great point, honestly. Um, because I think like a lot of people have been wondering what is leading to this deterioration, right? And I think it's a lack of off-season training, right? Because like the new CBA that came, was put in a couple of years ago doesn't allow for as much practice time, like you know, the two two days. It, and like when you get these guys that are playing in these like West Coast offenses where they're pretty much just sitting in a two-point stance the entire game. Now you're like literally putting your hand in the dirt, having to kick and come out of your step. And it's like, it's a lot harder. Also, some of these guys are just not the most gifted athletic, athletic people. Like it just does take a dancing bear sometimes to play tackle, especially tackle in this league. Um, but like also it's development. Like I think a lot of times there's a lot of turnover on these staffs more often than it used to be. People are getting fired more often. So I think it leads to like, three different coaches in three different years. Like I'm surprised by the way, if you want to talk about the giants, point. I'm surprised Andrew Thomas is as good as he is because he walked in the league in 2020 and he's had, I think four different offensive line coaches at this point. But I will like, say crazy. I will also recommend uh, or, you know, see that the fact is that Andrew Thomas comes in and he has different coaches and he's able to gain different pieces from each of them. And, become a more whole player not every player is able to do that and it all depends on your coach how how well you can coach some of these guys do they have what it takes physically and do they with what they have mentally and i think you know that's part of where the shortcomings are like evan neal like, i can't i can't heads or tails it seems like uh you know granted he's still young and new into the league but you know it seems like there's not much coaching that has affected his play or you know his growth so far and you know it's kind of a bust i think giants fans we love harping on this over and over again because yeah. it's it's so sad being how much momentum we had going in getting two first round picks back to back like that it was it was big news you know and and to see one kind of floundering it's, both, it's difficult both of, both of them are honestly not living up to expectations but you have made a very good point i i was keen to watch that more in in this last game that uh you know tibbs they have him doing coverage over and over again and it, it happened really, in the commander's game too it it really and and i think i think that teams are doing this a little bit more now because again that athleticism that raw athleticism that you have for your defensive lineman but it's essentially making the ineffective front line or front push for the giants that ultimately leads to the slash and burn down field because as much as our rookie secondaries are you know filled with athletic ability they haven't fully built up that pro that that pro skill set yet and talking about, well, talk about wink martin talking about wink martindale um for a second because like you're you're right gato that's what it's been like a third of the snaps I, I didn't look at the san francisco game but i did see him dropping back um, I also saw him getting blocked by a tight end, so I, I I don't know what to I don't know what to make of that either. Um, but like, it, it is frustrating because I know that Wink Martindale's defense is inherently a defensive back led led defense, right? So like, mm -hmm. his edge rushers, like you saw Zadarius Smith, you saw all these guys leave Baltimore and then end up becoming like double digit sack guys, um, because that's just not how the defense runs. But, like, I need him to be better than, like, even if you're just an edge setter, right, you get seven sacks a year, but you're, like, you know, people run to your side and they get two yards per carry. I need that, at least. And, like, he's not giving me any of that. So, like, and then Aziz Ojolari just, like, 
soft, like just made out of paper mache. Like the guy, the hamstring injury, he played what seven games last year. He plays week one. He gets blocked by, um, uh, he gets run over by Josh Dobbs or when it was a tight end or something, just, it just bad. And then all of a sudden now, all of a sudden he's like barely can get on the field. It just, there's no continuity on this, on this defense, but like, I need to see more pressure because like, that's what Wink Martindale is known for. And I don't see a lot of blitzing. I don't see a lot of pressure. Like they're blitzing, but they're not getting any pressure. So, yeah. um, and, and honestly, in the Arizona game, which was um, inherently frustrating, taking Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams off the field on third down, like th- both of those big games, those like third and 15, third and 13, they were off the field. So, Q, what is the um, what is the scheme that Wink Martindale runs from like a numbers perspective? It's like- it's more it's a multiple defense. It's a it's a base three four defense. Okay, but sometimes he'll run like a three like a five DB set. Like you know he'll he'll run three safety sets a lot. It's very multiple, which is good because that's what the Giants have. Like Isaiah Simmons is a guy who should thrive in this defense if, he, if they fucking play him more. Correct me um, if I'm wrong here, Q. In the beginning yeah. of the San Francisco game, and you know we'll get into the disappointment that that was. Um, but in the very beginning of that game, I felt that the Giants were overloading the box, and then they were breaking off into coverage, or they were yeah. bringing some good pressure. And yeah. in those first few drives, they did pretty decent in slowing down the 49ers' offense. Mm-hmm. They were Which, containing them. It's a bend but don't break defense. Yeah, and 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 granted, yeah, you're gonna. There's gonna be moments when you're gonna give up the 20 yard pass in in that type of play sense. But we were actually getting off the field at that time. But it came. I, I want to say towards the third downs. It third downs, and then I would say any time after halfway through the second quarter. Um, things started changing to where we were we were more worried about protecting and coverage and yeah and that's when they really just fucking hurt us. You, you know what really worried me going into this year was that the Giants were a unbelievably good third down defense last year, and I feel like a lot of that can be fluky. It's a like, stuff. To, it's a tough stat to replicate. It, it is, and it was like overwhelmingly. But like with Wink Martindale, like the defense is it's a lot primarily a press man. Right. So it's a lot of man coverage, but they've been like they look like they've been playing a lot of zone lately. And I would like to see the numbers, honestly. So I'm, I'm just I'm wondering what the, what that is. But it's primarily man, a lot of press. So it's basically like rush the passer and DBs just try and hold on for as long as you can. But like surprisingly for running that type of defense, they don't give up a ton of big plays through the air. Right, like they don't give up a big, a lot of big passing plays. Usually, their biggest problem is it's, they get it's like steady crushed on though. the run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, that's like why I fourteen asked that yards, <laughs> and the underneath stuff is always constantly fucking getting destroyed. See, that's why I asked that question. Like, what's the base defense that they run? Because, like, if it's multiple, but it's defensive back focused, that yeah. sounds more to me like a three-three-five defense. Where it is, it's primarily it's primary. It's a base three-four. Mm-hmm. defense but it's typically three two five typically you see that's the same thing that washington runs or yeah. they run like a or five two, two four yeah and jack del rio's problem is that he's only like our two edge rushers that's in their name they can only rush off the edge like dude like yeah. we've seen in the past that 
getting pressure up the middle is the best way to kind of throw off a quarterback. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to hearken to college football because Syracuse runs a three, three, five defense and it plays well against passing teams. But as soon as you get an offensive line that is run blocking focused, they played army this week. The entire first half was army running, running, running. And they had no answer for it because you need smaller defensive linemen. You need faster linebackers, but they're, they don't have the same kind of like meat on their bones that you'd want for like a, old school, like four, three or three, four defense, or you have those two big boys in yeah. the middle. So, well, I mean, also, that, it's also, it, three, yeah, three, two, six concepts are really good at stopping the pass, but like notice the, the teams that the giants face and have the biggest trouble now next to right. Dallas mm-hmm. and fucking Philly. What yeah. do they do exceptionally well? They run the ball and those zone, they run those fucking inside zones and they just get fucking destroyed. Yeah. Like well, those outside zone concepts like the Giants can't the, last year, the Giants could not stop an outside zone run to fucking save their fucking life. And like it was just literally all they had to do. And like, that's why San Francisco, I knew this was not going to go well for them because that's what they do. That's what the, the Shanahan the zone. read. Blocking. Yeah. The zone read shit. They just they can't can't stop it. Yeah. I mean, the most common um, defensive formation is the three, four. Right. And teams are geared to beat the most common defensive formation right and the philadelphia eagles are exceptionally good at that so it's it makes sense why you know you see you see them being so effective against this and the fact that both the both the giants the commanders aren't trying to give them different looks more often because of this in spite of this is kind of crazy to me but uh i think (laughs) Um, I, I think it is, it would be kind of wild for us not to talk about though, the greatest show that was on, that was on this weekend. And that was the Miami game. My God. Wait, it wasn't Taylor Swift. Oh, we'll get to that. (laughs) But it definitely wasn't the greatest show in comparison to what the dolphins did on Sunday. Mike McGill, man. Can we inverse this conversation? Because we all know what the Dolphins did, but how much of a fucking train wreck is Denver right now? They are the exact yeah. same team they were last year, but worse. Well, they that was my, more points in that game than they did in the first three games. That that was going to be my question to you yeah. guys was uh, was this a bigger L for the the Broncos or bigger W for for Miami? If it was Nathaniel Hackett, who was the coach this year, it would be a bigger thing for Miami. But because it's Sean Payton, and he made such a big fucking deal about how this team was terrible last year, it was poorly coached, like, I'm going to come in and change everything. The offense looks the same. It's just as ineffective. Vance Joseph is lucky to have a job today. That was horrendous. And, like... So do you guys know that Mike McDaniel was a ball boy for the Broncos? Mm-hmm. Sure do. Okay. So Mike McDaniel, <laughs> ball boy for the Broncos. Broncos are looking for a head coach. They don't even interview him. And I feel like there had to be a little bit behind that. But you know what was really funny is that they had a chance to, to you know, get the record and he chose not to. I feel like that's a bigger fuck you. Like, I could have put the record on you. I'm not going to. 
I don't. Yeah, I don't, it's I don't, like I don't spare. Think you're not worth his life. Sparing somebody's <laughs> life, like you're not worth the bullets in this gun. Yeah, exactly. Dude, he was sucking around. He was out in the. He was out in the stands at one point. <laughs> He was having a oh, field guy. Day. Yeah, it looks exactly like him. <laughs> hey, what do you want? To, what do you want? To, what do you want to call here? But it, it's it, this is a, is this not a shock to me that Mike McDaniel's having success? He was. He, I said the two guys that I wanted for the Giants in in twenty twenty one were Brian Dable and Mike McDaniel. Those are the only two guys that I were inter- I was interested in because he look, he was the run game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. Like you see what they can do in that Shanahan fucking concept is just so crazy i don't i just don't understand how people can't replicate it but it's just there's something so intricate what they're doing with what he's doing with tyreek hill is fucking revolutionary the amount of motion the running start you're basically giving it looks like arena fucking league yeah like football. I, I, I was shocked that that wasn't happening sooner like to have someone that speedy and that fast not doing something like that because What's the what's the primary thing that's going to slow down a big play made by him is probably getting jammed up at the line of scrimmage, right? So if if you're basically stopping the defensive back from even having that shot to jam him up in the in the very beginning, like forget it. It's it's a foot race and you're already burnt. You know, what are you gonna do? I had a feeling when you saw that Tyree kill touchdown in the beginning of the game, I'm like, this is gonna be a bad game for the when I didn't they score like like, points. They scored like two minutes in, right? Or it was yeah, it was was, I think it was the first touchdown of the game. Oh yeah. Uh, Oh first first touchdown of like the day. Yeah, Uh, Tyree Kill jumped into the stands. Fifty four yarder. Was that? Yeah, it was huge. He and burned Patrick Satan too. Everybody was like, Oh, this is gonna be a, a bad game for Tyree Kill. Um, I had Tyreek Hill on the anytime touchdown in DraftKings. Hits every time. Um, but, like, Pat, I wasn't worried about Pat Sertan because, like, again, the Broncos' defense is just horrendous. And honestly, like, watching this and watching Raheem Mostert, Gatto, your pick, your fantasy uh, diamond that you called in the beginning of the season, <laughs> Devin, Devin a- I believe it's now A-Chan. Oh, it was A-Chan. It's okay. he, he wants to pronounce Devion? A-chan. Is it Devion um, A-chan? Devin it's not A-chan. 4chan. Not 4chan. It's not 4chan. It's not chain. He, everybody's been saying A-chain. He wants it A-chan. So I'll say it correctly for him, A-chan. Um, man deserves just it. fucking rip them up. And dude. Raheem Mostert, good for him, man. Like, again, 31-year-old dude, journeyman for most of his career, injured a lot, only played two full seasons. Um, just fucking ripping him up, man. I love it. Here's the thing about that Dolphins offense that scares me and should scare everybody else. This isn't any time, any person offense. And I say that like barring an injury to Tua, anybody in the starting lineup or even like a sub can have like an amazing day. Because even if you go past Han and Mostert, Chris Brooks, nine carries, 66 yards. Like, mm-hmm. I um Braxton Berrios, two catches, who's basically like a, a throw-in guy at this point. But there are I, I I think this is a team which is always the hardest ones to scheme against, is that we have guys that don't play a ton hmm. and we're still gonna beat you with them. And those uh, are the scariest ones. You know what's interesting cool. though is that the the Miami offensive line is not that good. I think like obviously Teron Armstead, one of the best left tackles in the league, bar none. Connor Williams done a really good job 
um, in the interior, but like they're Austin Jackson, a couple other guys, like kind of decent guys, but it just doesn't seem to matter. Like it just those concepts are just so open. Correct, and and I think this is the, to Tom's point too. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Jalen Waddle did not even play. He had a concussion. He no, he did he, not. He's he did still not in play. concussion protocol. He actually he's, might miss this following this upcoming week. I think he'll. I think he'll probably play. I think he returned to practice today. Was um, today his first day back? Yeah, I, I, I think. I thought back. they they limited him for for it. Uh, he started, he might, and then I read something earlier. But um, either I way, like back. here's here's your number two receiver right behind Tyreek and. He he wasn't even present for this game. <laughs> what happens when he's in that lineup next time, right? That's why everybody was worried about Tyree Kill this week because they were like, "Oh, no, Jalen Waddle, Braxton Berrios is going to be, you know, getting him a lot of reps." And it's like now you got Pat Sertan, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not worried about it." And and another interesting thing is through three three weeks, uh, Tua has the same stat line he had last year at this time. Now, with give the Mike McDaniel's that. factor, are we talking about this is where things started to change up a bit? They started to slow down about week seven. I think this is where they start to ramp up this year. So that's interesting that you brought that up, Gatto. And because honestly, that was the one thing. Now, was it was the derailment caused just by his injury or was it just teams started figuring out the ways to stop them? I'd probably lean more where you are, where you're basically like that. It was just Tua's injury that just fucked them completely. And by the way, Tua, man, is legitly on an MVP track at this point. I mean, there's just no joke about it. The Tua non crowd might have pilled me. Day. Might have pilled me on, on Tua. Patriots are in control. <laughs> <laughs> he sits at an 82.9 QBR. And again, he doesn't have to do a ton in this offense, but he when he but he just throws a beautiful ball. And it's just like it is just perfect. He he just has unbelievable placement, and that was one of the reasons why he was such a heralded prospect coming out. Uh, was because he just like again not the most powerful thrower, but like just throws. Just the, his placement is fucking perfect every single time. So he he is very much a magician in that way. So, but if they can keep him healthy, and that's just the most important thing. But that sho- did you see that shovel pass touchdown that he yeah, had? Yeah, that was sick. Fucking disgusting. Who was um, the person who was talking shit about him in the preseason because they thought he looked flabby? Oh, um, <laughs> someone who wanted to get him in fantasy later on. I think it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were short selling him. Exactly. <laughs> Fuck man, who was it? Yeah. It was definitely somebody on. Somebody on oh, oh, Ryan, it was Clark. Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark. Yeah, yeah. It was Ryan Clark, um, and he apologized. He he really like bitched out. He was like, "If I hurt you, man, I'm sorry." Yeah, that shame, was a, shame, shame. <laughs> that was a real fucking cheap shot. I'm like, yeah, Mike, and I'm like, what? What world? Like, two has never been like. Go back to Alabama. He was never like rock solid chiseled guy. Like that's not him. He's a he's a six foot dude, you know. He's only gonna look as good, and he's like a, he's got a small frame, which is what worried me about him coming out. But like, I think that's ultimately the big issue, though, is like, can they keep him upright for the full season and keep him off the injury list with Mostert and A Chain? A Chan, that's gonna get Do, hard. Well, and that's the thing you have to respect that that passing offense. So there's going to be very few times people are gonna be bringing full blitz packages against this offensive line. 
they play the Bills this weekend. It'll I'm be excited. really interesting to see how that goes. This, I'm excited. That might be this that might game. be the game to watch for the weekend. Yeah. I will be running a parlay on that game for sure. We're definitely watching that one. <laughs> Uh-oh. James Conner. Not looking so good. That's well, not good. Either way. Um I I still think that like all right, so I wanted to talk let's shift to the Broncos because Russell Wilson, not the problem, by the way. Not the solution necessarily, but not the problem. So far through this year, um, he is currently sitting at a completion percentage of 65.4, which is up five points from last year. And it's the highest since 2020 when he's with Seattle. He's averaging seven, six point yards per right in line where he's done. He's done six touchdowns in three games. So he's averaging two touchdowns per game. His QB rating is at 99.5, almost a clean hundred. And his QBR is at almost 60, which is well above the league average. So, I, I I don't I can't say that I blame Russell Wilson for really for any of this. He may not be Russell Wilson from Seattle, but like I don't I don't look at him and say that he's the problem. I and like Sean Payton, man, there is something real about football karma. There is something real about football karma because when you talk shit like before the season and like dog on and look Nathaniel Hackett, as far as I'm concerned, like it, you're not the one. He's not. He's not that guy because yeah. like, you're seeing it now that he's trying with the Jets. He's trying to run that defense like Aaron Rodgers. Is, uh, that offense like Aaron Rodgers is still there, and he's not. But to take a cheap shot on another coach, like you just kind of were setting yourself up for failure. And then um, to let up the most points of any team in a very very long time. And and he's a Super Bowl winning coach too. Like everyone's like, oh, he's a Hall. Should of never Bay happen or- to you. Yeah, it never happened. You you get absolutely fucking tanked, and you can't even go pound for pound. And it's not like it's not like the Denver Broncos offense doesn't have players on it either, which surprises no. me the most. They just got fucking, they got like ran out of the building early. It's fourteen to seven in the first quarter, and then Miami drops twenty one on them in one quarter of football. And he had he he just had no answer. I mean, granted, that's not his side of the ball, but like still, (laughs) scoring by coach man. At some point, you got to take the the clipboard away from your defensive coordinator, and you got to say, "Hey, this is this is my you know." And and by the way, you know, by the way, Mike White came in in the fourth quarter. Former Jets quarterback, who's now the backup in Miami, came in the game two for two, sixty-seven yards and a touchdown. So like, this wasn't even like fucking two of the entire game. Like they literally took him out as a mercy, mm-hmm. and a like, smart move. still, still he put up a perfect QB rating. Um, this is the scoring by quarter 14-21. Just wild. I want to say I want to say those numbers are significant to Mike McDaniel's only. <laughs> what would be four twenty one? Four twenty one for twenty one. You see him ripping a fucking vape on the sideline, trying to pretend yeah. like he was like. Man, fucking ripping vapes on the side. Oh, of he's so God, fucking cool. It. He's the gin. Did you guys? Uh, I don't know. God, you probably know this that he was uh, childhood friends with Dan Soder. Really? Yeah, I yeah. Did not know that. I did there's not. A, know yeah, that. he he was friend. He was uh, childhood friends with Dan Soder, the comedian. And there's a great story about him playing. Um, and what is it? What was that game uh, uh, with Bo Jackson? NFL. What was the NFL game back on the back? It's in like the day? Bo Jackson NFL or Bo Jackson? Or whatever. Like it was NFL. No, no, way before that. Uh, um, ah, fuck. Hold on. I'm trying to remember, like the the name is not coming to me. 
Uh, Tech Bowl. Uh, Tech Bowl Super Bowl. They used to play Tecmo Tech Super Bowl, Bowl yeah. and he would play as Deion <laughs> Sanders. Uh, play the Falcons pretty much every time, and every time he got an interception, he would look at him and go, "Prime time." <laughs> the story is so fucking good, man. But it's just so funny that like he's like this literal stoner kid, and uh, you know he just turned. He's one of the best coaches in the league right now, so it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, good I'm, for him. I'm looking forward to looking forward to this week's matchup, and I, uh, I, I want to kind yep. of transition to the Giants for a second because I want to talk about the offense. Like it was kind of a conversation about the offensive line we've been talking about, and I think what worries me the most about this team is that I, I mentioned before that the Miami Dolphins offensive line, other than Teron Armstead and maybe Connor Williams, is just a bunch. Oh, Robert Hunt's good too. I like Robert Hunt. But, like, nothing really significant on that offensive line that's going to really, like, other than Teron Armstead. But you look at them, and they score 70 fucking points, right? We're seeing around the league, even with the Chargers, right? Another another team that arguably doesn't really have a very impressive offensive line, but yet can put up scoring at will. So I think it is an honest conversation about the quarterback and, like, or just the coaching and how they maximize their quarterback, I love Brian Dable, and I'm not out on Brian Dable. I'm not even questioning Brian Dable. I'm I'm fully still in 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 his corner, but I have to wonder why is it so hard that this team cannot generate points? Like it just seems like it's so fucking difficult for this team. It is either that Daniel Jones just doesn't have the ability to let it fucking rip, because like that was the thing I was most hopeful for this year. I think he was maybe a little bit guarded last year and they weren't sure how to use him. But this year I felt like with the money, with the contract, like, and really other than Tyrod Taylor, there's no competition on this team. This is your team. Go out. And if there's a fucking really tight window, take it. I don't care if you throw interceptions. I honestly don't because you're going to have more, more big plays than I think than not. But it's either that the coaching staff is still putting the reins on him and not letting him rip it, or he can't because you're not going to tell me – you're not going to just blame the offensive line here because, like, at the end of the day, every offensive line in the NFL, other than maybe the Eagles and maybe the Browns, are kind of shitty. So – I got thoughts few, on this too, but continue, Gato. There's a few There's a few things I think that, you know, come to mind with this one. One, since the minute that Daniel Jones showed up in New York, New York fan, the Giant fans – we have all been very skeptical, which rightly so. I think, um, if anything, this year is proving more of the reason why we should have been skeptical from the get-go. Um, and I think that does do a bit to, um, to I guess, his mentality because he's he has spent the last few years really working hard to prove himself and struggling to prove himself and just getting there. Like, C's get degrees, and that's kind of where Daniel Jones kind of always falls. Um, the other thing is I think you're right that the coaching staff still reigns in on him. And if you watch if you watched against the 49ers, he was overthrowing a six-foot-six tight end. He was, he was to put it over his head. And the only thing I can think is that he's either too afraid to put it where he wants to put it, because he's going to get backlash from the coaching staff or he's he has an, an accuracy inability that has yet to be really resolved um because a lot of these these throws 
they were in bad places. Granted, he's not working with the most athletic bunch of receivers, but I I sit there and I go, yeah, but you gotta you gotta learn your player, right? You gotta learn who you're throwing to and figure out how to make that catchable for them, you know. And neither of those things are happening. And so you're right, Q, in asking these questions about Daniel Jones and what his performance abilities are. I think there's some issues with Daniel Jones that are. I mean, game one of the season started the pos- like the worst way it could have. And very often when you have guys getting overthrown by a quarterback, it's because they're they're not set and they're not in a in a throwing position to be successful. Their feet aren't right, so they're inaccurate, probably because he's like scared that he's gonna get hit again. And I'm wondering if I have seen this from a number of teams like, and I'm looking at bad offenses where they've had like bad weeks or they're just generally bad. Like I think offensive coordinators say this is a passing league and they see what the chiefs are doing and they think they need to bomb it down the field or they need to have like medium to long range passes, but the reality is, is the most exhausting offenses you can have are the ones that three, four, five yards, and they end up like putting together like 14 play drives. And I don't, I'm wondering if this offense is just not saying that Daniel Jones is not a smart guy. I'm wondering if there's just too much to process with not enough time. Like you have to simplify the offense, not because of him, but because what's mm-hmm. around him. Like, should be one, two, throw. It should be primary guys not open, second guy, secondary guys not open. Like, do I have a lane run? Just pick up yardage. And I think they try to overcomplicate shit with like all of these like hot routes and alerts and like alternate choices. Check downs. Done. Like these check downs too. Like, and ultimately the check downs are like the running back runs to like the edge of the field and the quarterback has to throw a farther distance to go fewer yards than they would if they just threw it down the field. That was the problem that Kenny Pickett was having for the first couple of weeks, because I think they had the most throws behind the line of scrimmage that were past the numbers mm-hmm. or like outside of the numbers. So he's having to throw farther to get for like less yardage. And I think if they just tell him like, Hey man, just go two reads. If you don't, if there's nothing there, just go. Just figure it out. But also, too, like, I know that Saquon has been hurt a lot and you gave him, like, some money. But, like, ride his ass. Like, there's nothing better for a quarterback who is indecisive in the moment than just, like, letting him say, like, here, give it to the running back. And stop running this stupid shit out of the shotgun, too. Because I think shotgun plays have fucking ruined running backs in the sense that there are – Two plays can be ran out of that, like a jet or like a sweep to the outside or like a delayed rush or a delayed run inside. And you don't get the opportunity for these guys to take advantage of their speed. Mm-hmm. It's okay to run some shit out of an eye formation or with the quarterback under center. And ultimately, if you're doing literally everything under shotgun and it's not working, switch it up. I would imagine that defensive now would be shocked if they saw somebody under center. I, 
I and I would agree with you, Tom, because I think if you're going to have a running back like hit a hole, he needs to have that extra. Gotta have some momentum. Yeah, he's got to be moving forward, head down to to get some yardage there for you. The only thing I will say that is there is the possibility of, and this is something that like Saquon's first year, they they did this a bit was just a pitch to the outside where he was great breaking it out to the outside. Um, yeah, if he could get out in the open and one on one with anybody, he was beating them. Right. Maybe not the case anymore now that he's had his injuries. He's he's slowed down a bit, but that that was what was really good for him. But they don't do that ever. Anyhow. And and I've seen this across the league. You want to watch a team lose third and long out of the shotgun, hand the ball off. It's it's basically you've yeah. you've given up for the game. You've quit. You have no ideas what to do. And you're just like, we'll take the mulligan. We'll get good field position for the next set of downs. And then it never happens. It never comes. And it's like you want to watch a game. You want to know when to turn a, a game off. That's when. That's the sign. That's the that's the moment. Honestly, if I'm the Giants, like I'm calling the Colts and just asking some questions about Jonathan Taylor. Like, no. I mean, your alternative. I, I, it, your alternative is Matt Breida. No. Like, let's be let's be serious. No, no, because Saquon's not out for the year. They're they're talking about he could return this week. No, um, it's it's not that, but like. One, John Taylor. John Taylor has taken so many fucking carries over the over his college career, over 900 carries at Wisconsin. I am not interested. In yeah, but Saquon contract. has taken fewer and has been hurt more. I mean, Jonathan Taylor missed most of last year, and he's still he was on the pup list. This year. they put him on the pup list, so it seems like he like seems like he's injured too. Still, his back is still out. Is still he's still not on. But if you he need guys that. to run the ball, if you need guys to run. Saquon I'm not giving. Been, I'm not giving Jonathan Taylor 15 million a year. I'm just not doing it. Well, well that's fair. I, the money is not there for him. I mean, I he doesn't get a choice on where he gets traded to. I, that's fine, but I'm just saying, if I'm Joe Shane, like if I'm Joe Shane and Brian Dable, I'm not committing. I'm not giving them a second or what a second round pick. Maybe they want a first round pick still, <laughs> and then giving Jonathan Taylor 15 million dollars a year just makes no fucking sense. There's no way. No way. Yeah, but it comes off it comes off the books this year, right? Because he's a free agent. But you're gonna give a second round. But you're gonna give him a sec. You're gonna give them a second round pick to. Oh, you're talking about in like next year in free agency. Yeah. Oh, he's so not trading a- for him. No, 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 no. Like you don't need to give them a second round pick. At the end of the day, this guy is going to be sitting the whole year, and the Colts are going to be realistic and say like, we're not going to be able to get a first or second round pick for a running back, but we need to get something because this team still needs to. Fine I, I honestly think he's coming back. I think he's coming back. I think he's going to play. I don't think so. I, I, I think they're. Is that because you're stashing him on your bench right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think, I think, I think there's a, de- there's a definite vibe change. Two and one Colts. They win with Gardner Minshew, which was, again, I want to talk about Jags, fucking Jaguars. Um, they look good, and I think I think he realizes like that again. He has to play a certain amount of games to get accredited for the season, right? Because then if he doesn't, if he chooses not to play because of whatever, then they can just hold on to him for another year. So it's like again, if the Colts want to make this ugly, and they looks like they have already, they can make it ugly. He has to get credit for the season. There's a certain amount of games you have to be present for if you're healthy to get credit for the season. I think it's like at least half the season. So if he just decides like I'm healthy, but like and they pass as a physical and he decides not to play, it doesn't do him any good. 
I think he realized the best he'll realize the best path forward is just to play. Hope that they don't franchise him. Maybe work out like a one-year contract with some some escalators or something, and a guarantee that they won't franchise him. But like, no team has done that. Saquon Barkley didn't get it. Josh Jacobs didn't get it. So I don't think Jonathan Taylor will. I think like, Nick Chubb out. didn't. It kind of <sighs> poor Nick Chubb. Let me ask you a question though. Like, if there is a trade that can be made. Um, for the Giants to try to like kickstart this offense, what do you think it would it be? Devontae Adams. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's realistic because the reliable Raiders... wide receiver that's you know kind of within the numbers, a suit like a a actual good version of Isaiah Hodgins, you know, like mm. the guy who can be the possession receiver. And you have to respect him so that it would provide more options for like Wandale in the middle. They provide more options for Hyatt. Got it. I, I, I forgot. I knew I, I knew I was forgetting something. Jalen Hyatt playing like ten snaps on fucking Thursday was like two egregious. catches right? for sixty three yards. Right? What happened? He had like two catches for sixty three yards. Like why? Zero? No, he had zero catches. Oh, he he, zero oh, targets. that was the game before then. The game before. He had zero targets, zero catches. And I understand, oh, he runs vertical routes. Oh, he needs to be deep down the field. Oh, the offensive line couldn't hold up. I saw a play where he was wide open, and Jones saw him and felt the pressure. And instead of staying in the pocket and throwing it, he decided to run to his left and basically got a yard running out running out of bounds. He is either not seeing it or he's being told not to, to rip it. And I need to know which one it is because if he's not doing it, then tell him to either do it or he's going to have to sit because, like, it's getting ridiculous at this point because, like, Hyatt was wide open. And it was one of those plays that literally if you saw it, like, if you're – like, again, I saw it. I'm not even a fucking quarterback that he was getting out of his break and the safety was sitting in the middle of the field. So, like, there's no way he's getting over there. He had inside leverage and then just literally kind of slants out to the the sideline. The, the the cornerback was frozen, like had no answer for it. And if Jones just stood there and threw it, he would have had him. It would have been a huge game. But I mean, I, I, I can, you can pull three or four of those easily out of every single game. I don't know where the decisiveness has gone, but like he was pretty decisive last year. And now this year, he, he just, he looks frozen again. It's, and, and again, I think I said this last week in their, their comeback win with Arizona. Uh, Daniel Jones needs, he needs to get the motor running, and it usually starts with his feet. And that's when he gets his jitters out. He did not. He he didn't really get those runs going. And again, they faltered, and they weren't really. He needs to. He needs to get those ticks out. He needs to actually get a couple pops in there. I think he's. I think he's one of those guys that like he does better with a few beers in him. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two carries for five yards. Yeah. And the game before that, I think he had like 13. Even in the even the Cowboys game, he had some significant yardage on the ground. I think you're right, Gatto. There are some guys that like you need to give them a little bit of a spark of mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm actually kind of good at this. And, and but, you see it when he gets up off the ground and he's in that mode. He'll have like this renewed level of energy that just wasn't there. In these other games, yeah, I'm sorry, Tom, for cutting you off. But no, no, no. I mean, you you guys have watched more of the games than I have, but I just feel like last year the games that I did see from him, particularly like that Vikings playoff game too. Like, yep. you just need to be able, like, at his core, he is an athlete. Like, he can run, he can make plays, 
he might not be the best quarterback, but at least he can give you something. And to not utilize any of that is male prize, like is bad for them. Mm-hmm. So I think Dayball needs to talk with Mike Kafka, who's probably in a state of like extreme depression now that NFTs are completely <laughs> Honestly, that might be why they they've been so bad because he lost all like, his money in doing NFTs. Yeah, he's got the playbook open. But underneath, like the top sheet, he's just pulling out his iPad and just seeing that ticker go down and down and down. <laughs> By the way, ninety-five percent of NFTs are now worthless. Yeah. Oh, he knows, mm-hmm. and so does Saquon too. They're probably like in a group therapy session right now about Saquon it. Saquon, but... Saquon is such a rude man. Eric Adams taking money through NFTs and Bitcoin and just getting fucking housed too. But that's another thing for another time. Uh, yeah, so to put a bow on it, um, I, I I need to see more. Now, listen, Andrew Thomas is back this week. Dable pretty much said it. He's back. Ben Bredersen is back. And he actually – Dable was pretty, like, open about what the offensive line is going to be. Like, usually he's more guarded, but he said it's going to be Thomas at left tackle, uh, Ben Bredersen at guard, left guard, John Michael Schmitz at center, Marcus McKeithen is going to stay at right guard, which I'm cool with. Um, and Evan Neal is at right tackle. So, and Josh Zudu is going to be a backup four out of the four to the five spots. I think every spot except for center. So it's good. It's good. I like that for, I like that mix of guys. I think McKeithen didn't play well against San Francisco, but played really well against Arizona. I, I think Evan Neal's played a little bit better, tiny bit better since mckeithen has been there. I think, um, I think Glowinski is just not not the guy at this point. Um, so either he will probably move on or they'll keep him as a backup. But uh, I, I, this is what the five needs to be. And we need some fucking continuity, man. But I will say this. I am bullish on the Giants. And I'm going to not just hopium because, like, again, you don't go from being one of the, you know, you go, being this team and then go all the way down when you add people. The laws of averages are on the Giants' side. So I feel like this is – but this is going to be the game, right? Because after this week, you go to Miami or you're home against against Miami. Not going to be fun. Not going to be fun. They're going to lose that game. I'm just flat out saying it right now. Just being on the record. And then after that is Buffalo, which, again, horrible. So they're already at two losses. That's four losses right there. So they need this win against Seattle at home. Seattle has not been that impressive. Like, this is the fucking game where you need to go out there and look good. And then, again, I'm not expecting them to beat Buffalo or Miami, but go out there and play them tough. Like, is, play them tough. Look like you belong. Is this what it feels like to be a Jets fan? <laughs> it's very much so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Playing the Bills and the Dolphins and the Patriots year after year. God, it's awful, man. It has to two two so biggest bad. point differentials in the, in the AAC right now are Miami and Buffalo. Pats fans and Jets fans are in hell right now. Oh, dude, did you see uh, Zach Wilson just gave up the auto sack? <laughs> bro, fourth, bro, he's shell shocked. He's shell shocked third down, weekend. And it's this guy bad. is throwing behind the fucking sticks. What are you doing? <laughs> Not man, ideal. What are you doing, man? Like, I just, I, I don't get it, man. He, he looks lost. He looks absolutely lost. He looks like he doesn't even belong on a football field. He looks like he should be like working at Abercrombie or something. I don't know. It definitely is concerning for him because he's like, he's lost all of his like BYU Riz 
and maybe like it's soaking. Yeah, the soaking had something to do with it. But dude, like, he must have soaked so much <laughs> when he was in BYU. Just all of the all all the soaking. He, the he funny, was wrinkly. The, the funny thing Pruning. is, is like the Jets made a big deal about signing Trevor Simeon, and it's like to do what exactly? I, I wanted to talk about that because there's been a report that Colin Kaepernick reached out to the Jets and sent him a like, letter. Yeah. yeah, sign me to your practice squad again. So, because the biggest thing, so this whole Colin Kaepernick thing, I kind of I, I get tired of hearing about it as much as the next person, but I think it does matter because he pretty much said like the biggest thing is like, oh, Colin Kaepernick wants to be a starter and he wants starter money, so like that's why he doesn't. That's why he's not getting signed. And it like that's been a big MAGA talking point, you know. Like, but what's interesting is that he literally said in this letter, "Sign me to your practice squad." Mm-hmm. So like you're not getting you're getting like thirty thousand dollars a week on a practice squad. You're not getting like big money or anything. And basically said like basically playing for free. And he's like, if I'm not the guy that you know, if I don't come in and it can prove myself. And again, it's a West Coast offense. What he played in San Francisco, so very similar concepts. What do you have to lose? You yeah. have nothing to lose, and signing Trevor Simeon does nothing for you, nothing. So I honestly like. I would take advantage of that if I was the Jets and yeah, bring him in because worst case scenario, you give him a week or two. And if he doesn't like look like the old guy of Colin Kaepernick, if like he can't fucking complete a pass and he looks like Cam Newton did, you know, in his last year, like can't hit the, can't hit anybody deep down the field. All he can do is run. Then you cut him loose and that's it. But like, yeah, I think they're so scared of their fan base that like, it's going to be so negatively like negative reception that they're scared to do it yeah trevor simeon has not won a game since 2017 i didn't even know he was still in the league i don't think he was on a team i don't think he like uh he was with the Bengals this year i believe they could have fucking fooled me cut him or is he a backup he wasn't he wasn't on the active roster as of like two weeks ago and i believe they're the same age right him and kaepernick he's 31 Kaepernick is what 35 right so he's older but like I mean come on man like if like if at the end of the day if he can play who gives a shit right like this is this season is completely fucking lost so like you're not gonna you're not gonna survive and like I don't know like again I don't know how true these reports are that have been coming out but like there has been apparently some tension um because like the defense is not happy with Sawa and how like his Basically, insistence on playing uh, Zach Wilson over and over again has yeah. not gone over well, and is like it's gonna hit a boiling point eventually. So, if you're solid, like, what do you have to fucking lose at this point? I mean, you also do what uh, you know your what front you office, yeah. yeah, exactly what they want, right? But like, I mean, fucking fight, man. But like, fight for him. Like, be like, you know what? Bring me Cap. Like, let's see what he can do. What's the worst that could fucking happen? He sucks. Okay, cool. Cut him loose. Yeah, I mean, what are the alternatives really to like? Trevor there's n- there's no ideal <laughs> free agents out there. Like the list, the list of free agents that were out there was just like completely uninspiring. I mean, and- you got to do something bold here, man, or like go out and get fucking, uh, you know, uh, the Browns backup, uh, the, the kid from UCLA, um, Dorian Smith Thompson. Dorian time, yeah, go out Dorian and get Thompson like. Smith. You know, or go get Jacoby Brissett or something. Like, I mean, that, I know like, the they're guy, probably man. not. They're not going to give up Jacoby Brissett, but like, 
you know, it, it would make no sense if they did that because obviously the commanders, you know, need need a good backup. I mean, like, shit, Ryan Hoyer is sitting rotting on the bench in Las Vegas, and Las Vegas is only in like intention for this year is to be fucking horrible. Trevor so, Simeon threw 26 passes last year for the Chicago Bears. Um, and he completed 57% of his passes, one touchdown, one interception. He did look decent on New Orleans in 2021, 57%, but he threw 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. Not terrible. I mean, they should have kept Mike White. I don't know what they were thinking, letting Mike White go. Like, did that, they trade that, him or did they just let him go? I believe he just signed with the Dolphins. Okay. I, don't, I don't think they would have traded them to Dolphins. I, I, I think I think the Jets should look at like Drew Locke from the Seahawks because he fits the MO of what like Aaron Rodgers was. That's not a bad that's not a bad it's pretty good. It's the guy that it's it's kind of the guy that they're looking they they need to replace, right? Like fits in their offensive plans. Um decent enough can get you a win. Yeah, bring him I don't think I don't think he won't give him up, honestly. No, you're right. Um, but I'm, isn't that funny though that like Sam Darnold, like yeah. By the way, um, with the Dolphins, Mike White signed a two-year deal at eight million dollars, so four million per year. Marcus Mariota in Philadelphia, yeah. But considering the alternative, <sighs> I guess so. Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't think any of those choices there are particularly good. Like, assuming you're not going to be able to get anything from the AFC East, like just going down the line here. Heineke. Baltimore Ravens are probably not going to let anybody go. Heineke, depending on how they do, I imagine him starting at some point this season. I would yeah. just fucking Teddy? swing for the fences and either go for Colin Kaepernick or go get like DTR and just like call it a fucking day. Because like the Trevor Simeons and the and all these guys, they're not winning you shit. Cooper so like Rush, I, go out trade for him. Like Tom Brady comes the red rifle retirement for his biggest challenge. Yet. He already said no. <laughs> he already said no. <laughs> I know I, he, he he did. He, he, somebody finally did ask him. People were already saying that. I was like, yeah, get some, out of somebody, uh, somebody finally asked him. They cornered him, and we were like, "Hey, Jets!" And he's like, "You know that no, he had to get cornered no. for that question to ask." Yeah, because he's like, "You motherfuckers, don't ask me that shit." Um, no, yeah, he 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 already said no, which I which I understand that he was going to, but like, I mean, listen, I I, I said it, man, that like they need they either pack it in or. Go for, swing for the fucking fences, right? Because like at this end, your mediocrity is the worst possible scenario for this team. You either want to be amazing and capture lightning in a bottle, and Colin Kaepernick looks like fucking two thousand and seven Colin, you know, Colin Kaepernick, and looks or no, not two thousand seven, later two thousand eleven. Um, but like, or or you want to be so fucking bad that you throw yourself into Caleb Williams conversation. I mean, this is just not the Jets here. Let's let's face it. No, it's not. You have you have fire red dolphins. You have they're so good. You have the Bills are proving second, haters wrong. Second and point differential in the AFC. So they're, the Bills they're still dropping it through the tables. Yep. Dolphins uh, and Bills are number one and number two in point differential in the AFC, like arguably two best teams in the AFC right now, in my opinion. They are good. They're very good. <laughs> it's it, what and, do you do? And and you're better off waiting a year and letting the to see where the pieces fall because this year your plans got botched 
right away. Not to say that they won't next year too. Don't get me wrong, but at least if if things go a certain way, and it possibly could be one of these teams ends up in the Super Bowl, half that team is going to get sold off for parts. In but here's place. the here's the problem though, Gatto, that for the Jets is because Sala is not a new coach, right? He's been around for a couple of years. Was this year two or three? Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. It's either year two or three. I think it's three. Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere, though. <sighs> well, here's the problem so. is that he can't go in the tank, right? Because, like, getting Caleb Williams, number one, they would probably just ruin Caleb Williams anyway. But, like, getting Caleb Williams would require them to suck on an epic level, like, not win more than I don't, two games. But I don't think Salo don't can, do, I don't think he can survive that. Mm-hmm. I don't think he survives a two win season. And do they tank for him, though? That's my question. The Jets classically would not tank for but him. Salah's not going to Salah's not going to go along with that unless he gets it in writing that he's like staying next year, which is like a huge fucking problem. Well, they're so, going to try to win, sure. They're going to do their best that they can, but man, let's man. be honest, if you're it's the Jets front's office, like let's call it quits this year. It makes Honestly, sense. they should have called it quits when Rodgers got hurt because I think, I think they you, kind of have. <laughs> I think you you saw what you had with Zach Wilson for two years, a guy who is either hurt or inconsistent or not good and was replaced both years by a veteran quarterback, one by Flacco, the other one by Mike White. Like, I mean, at this point, like as soon as Aaron Rodgers got hurt, like they knew their season was fucking over. And I I don't know what has happened to Zach Wilson from the time he left BYU to now, but there is some serious like confidence issues to the point where he, he, he just doesn't know how to play anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> he does. It was a fox in the hen house to begin with, I think. But I mean, if we're talking about where people are most likely to be on the chopping block, we should probably talk about the Chicago Bears. Oh boy. Yeah. I Do we have this? To? And and so this okay, this is actually an interesting game that I want to watch just because I want to see how bad is bad. Um, the bar is so low between these two teams. Uh, Broncos Bears this weekend. Broncos country. That's it's a hell game. It it really is. But like whoever comes out on the bottom is really going to be on the chopping block, right? And we've already gone into the Broncos, Broncos but that's right. It just seems like week to week, the Bears figure out a way to be worse and worse or look worse and worse or just crumble. It's that classic Shane Falco from the replacements like monologue where he talks about quicksand and they're in there. They're there right now and they're trying to claw themselves out and there's not enough Gene Hackman in the world or (laughs) or Keanu Reeves that could save them right now. Like, what, what do we make of this at this point? I think the bigger concern is, like, there has been the start of the season where people were saying that Justin Turner, or excuse me, um, I don't know why I said Justin Turner, um, <laughs> but Justin Fields is the problem, are starting to change that conversation to, no, this team is just fucked. And we talked about it week one, we had talked about it week two, and frankly, like you're now having like people like now having analysts say like any Dan Orlovsky was on the Pat McAfee show. And he's like, I've watched the game tape from that game and they have no fucking clue what they're doing. Like the coaches yep. are calling bad plays. The protections are shit. 
Like Justin Fields is a guy who's running for his life. And that team is completely dysfunctional. And I don't understand how Eberflus still has a job because they were not good last year and they've started worse. I think there was a hope with hiring Luke Getze that like with an, a dedicated offensive mind, it'd be better. And it's somehow worse than last year. Significantly worse too, yeah, because a lot worse. Yeah. they've essentially removed all of like the things that made at least that offense run slightly good. The running element. Right. It's gone now because they've tried to turn him into like a pocket quarterback. They've taken away the thing that makes Justin Fields dynamic. He's a good thrower. If you give him time and you give him space, you know how every other quarterback in the NFL works. Yeah. But you've taken away the X factor that makes teams have to respect him. And you also have an offensive line that does not communicate with one another. And you've created a situation where now Fields is taking unnecessarily shot, unnecessary shots. There was that one clip where Fields was clearly dazed and he was walking back to the huddle because the coaches kept him in. And DJ Moore grabs him by the shoulder pads, turns him around and pushes him to the sideline. Like this guy is not healthy. Like, and Chicago is going to scream for another quarterback. It's not going to fucking change with Caleb Williams. It's this, the, the philosophy of this team collectively from the front office to the coaching coordinators is bad. Yeah. Is very, very bad. When do you think the NFL actually steps in and says, we have to fix this? Never, because they love this shit. You think they, they love this much of a train wreck? I mean, Chicago's a big fan base, a loyal fan base. I don't think there's anything you can do. Um, being honest. I, the NFL, and then you've brought it up before in the past, the NFL has stepped in when teams have been total that was, dumpster That fighters. was 1979 with the, with the Giants. Um but like that, I don't know, man. Because like, I mean, like, also, I want to talk about. Like, I don't want to let Ryan Poles off the off. The, off the no, he deserves team. a shit ton of blame because the moves that he made this year were really bad. Um, and number one, the most the most glaring one to me was obviously giving up what ended up becoming pick number thirty two for Chase Claypool, who just looks disinterested and terrible. Ball. So, um, really bad job by by the GM. So it's like it's just we're we're now at this spot now where it's like I don't think I don't think there's an easy fix here and they are by the way I think thirty percent favorite right now to end up walking away with the number one pick in the draft, which would be like do you get Caleb Williams? What are you going to do with Caleb Williams? It's not going to be better all of a sudden with Caleb Williams. Um, they have to they're going to have to like rip it all down. If you do get him, you better bring in the best offensive coach that you can fucking find. The other thing, too, Q, is that yeah. Caleb Williams has said, like, if the situation is bad, I have a year of eligibility. And yeah. he makes $2.61 million a year in NIL money. Yeah, he doesn't like, need to come out. What yeah. is the what is the base pay for a rookie, like a high end? Uh, about five, six million, uh, usually in the first year. For number one pick, maybe closer to 10. So I would imagine, like, He's looking at like I can make five million to be on a dog shit team and potentially ruin my career, or I can hang out for another year. Yeah. And make another two milli and yeah. be fine. So maybe finish school, you know, party a little bit at USC and have fun. And yeah. It's, I, it's... I, I I mean, if I'm him, I'm seeing the bears there and I'm like, no. 
There, there needs to be significant changes to happen to that team. I think we all thought the Cardinals were going to be that, and then like they honestly have been pretty pretty tough, man. Beating the Cowboys, playing the, the bus line stuff. in Phoenix is fantastic. It goes right <laughs> to the stadium. He wants killers, man. He got them. He got killers. It sure does, man. They played <laughs> every team hard too. Shout out to Josh Dobbs too, man. Is, like, I feel did like I see that the other day. Josh Jobs tried to buy a jersey. They didn't have it. Yeah. They didn't have it in the system. <laughs> so funny. Good for him, though. Like a guy who was at Tennessee and was kind of like an undervalued player there. Always like Josh Dobbs. Yeah. And, you know, goes to the Steelers, was there for a while, then kind of bounces around. And I'm glad that at least he's able to show what he's got. There's, there's just something magical about having nothing to lose that makes like an NFL team like pop. Oh yeah, like, I don't know like why it's like the pressure is off to perform, so you perform amazing. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> if they got Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. next year, oh, like God. if they if they got lucky and got both of those guys, like they would suck. Just yeah. because like they they're a team that needs to thrive off of being absolute dog shit and everyone saying that you guys suck. The Giants are that way too, though. By the way, mm-hmm. like, last Giants year were a team last year that were like so good because everyone kept saying how they were going to suck. Yep. This year they get a little bit of pub and then all of a sudden they just can't play. Sucks. Madness. Um, what other games did what other well, games I, caught your eye? I did want to talk about Dallas because like we talked about we just <laughs> talked about Arizona. Yes. Um well, obviously was, they lose Trevon of the week horribly in a literally fucking practice, man, to lose Trevon Diggs. That's yeah. horrific. But like I, I just I can't figure this team out because they shut out the Giants week one. They kind of play kind of ahead of the game with the Jets. The Jets didn't really put up much of a struggle. And then you go against Arizona and you just you shit the bed. It's like, I, I again, is this just Dallas being Dallas or was it maybe just a trap game? Are you, again, we're going to play this panic game, like the panic button. Are you hitting the panic button? Um, Dallas is Dallas is hitting the panic button going, Dak Prescott must go. And <laughs> now that the rumblings are starting, it's only going to cascade by the end of the season and it's going to put them in a bad position trying to go into the playoffs if they let that mindset that talk that oh we're one piece shy of a perfect team uh come into focus and it's it's a tale as old as time right like we're going back i mean to the to the age of aikman right like this is this has been the ongoing thing for them yeah Um, there i i would be like i think for me like it would make sense if that defense like was walking this game with poor morale because one of their leaders was hurt in practice. Mm. But for Dak Prescott to have a pretty meh game and like Tony Pollard played well, everybody else played well, but Dak. And I think this is kind of just, again, this is not really like it's one game. This is kind of his MO at this point. Like you're going to get up and down games and the the games in between are going to be very like unwinnable for them. Well, this is the biggest problem for Dallas has been so far as their red zone efficiency, because again, they are a team that likes to run the ball. They like to take up time on the clock. And then ultimately they like to just kind of like pummel you in the red zone. By the way, last year, 71 0.43 0.43 in red zone efficiency numbers. This year they're at 40%, which is good for 27th in the league. They are tied with the New Orleans Saints and the New York Jets. Not and it's actually worse at home, 33.3% 
at home, 44.4% on the road. Um, these are numbers of NFL football team rankings.com, NFL football stats. I mean, like, really, really bad. So, like, and obviously, like, the number one team, Miami, Green Bay, Cleveland, Kansas City, Baltimore, like, these are really good teams. And, like, so, like, they're – Either this has to get better quickly, and they have to be able to figure it out how to serve, how to like, you know, what what is going to make this engine move. But I, I just don't see it. Now, Jerry Jones said red zone offense not a long term concern. Um, but I, I just I don't know. They it's something that they're going to have to get fixed quickly. I mean, they play the they play the Patriots and then the Niners. A a part of me too says. This is the fact that nobody plays preseason anymore and like teams have to figure themselves out. And the Arizona Cardinals have kind of figured themselves out faster than most teams. Because probably a lot of those guys played in the preseason because a lot of them are like nobodies effectively. Yep. That's true. That's a good yeah. point. And so I think the Cowboys came off just so hot and maybe a bit of that was just the effect of having such a easy lucky first game rolled into a team that considered itself a walking disaster already i mean it was just they they were sitting in fortune's favor and they got knocked to reality this was the readjustment here and this is actually the cowboys and especially when a big piece, like you said, Tom, they probably were a bit down that one of their defensive leaders here. I mean, he's down. Um, it just, it's weird to me because I, I don't know, I don't know what the base is taking from this, but like, I know that the way that they look at what's happening, they're probably already decided that the season's over and that's the funny part about it i don't, I don't know if it's over it's not yet. it's absolutely not <laughs> but that's the delusion in yeah. a cowboys fans head it's not like college football where you need to win every single game in order to get in the playoff like you can go like 13 and 4 or 12 and 5 and still make it in, you can even go worse than that and still make it in the playoffs i but i will say though this game against the Patriots at home in Dallas this weekend is a must-win game for them. Like mm-hmm. they have to win that game and they have to play well doing it because the week after that they go to San Francisco. And like if they were stressed that they were not able to put up points against the Cardinals, they're gonna be real, real stressed out that they can't put up points against the 49ers. And the 49ers are gonna stress test that defense as well to really show like are they for real or is it micah parsons and a bunch of dudes i mean i'm looking at their you know moving forward here um you know i think they gotta win they gotta win against the patriots they gotta win against the well they're gonna lose against the 49ers i think the, the yeah because you don't want right? to go three in a row right like you don't want to lose against the patriots at home and then go to the Niners, <laughs> and, then you, and then then your season is in jeopardy because you've lost three in a row and and i will say the 49ers game the chargers game after that these are uh night games they're prime time games uh sunday night monday night um <clears throat> i think <clears throat> oh sorry <laughs> um 
I think that builds a lot of extra pressure on this team um, to get it together if things are sloppy, right? Because yeah. now you're in that that highlight, you're in that you know spotlight rather. Um, <clears throat> the problem the problem I'm having is is like, is this is this just offensive shortcoming? Like, is it going to like? Is there any? It, are we at the ceiling for the, for the Cowboys? Yes. Right. Like I don't think yes. they can get better with the pieces they have. I'd argue this is as Dak, good as they are. I, I don't think Dak has been right since the injury that he suffered a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the Achilles I, I, was it Achilles? Yeah. Or? Well, no, he broke his leg. You, yeah, I, exactly. I honestly don't think that like they're gonna get any better at this point. I don't. I, what do what they? What could they do? I mean, other than maybe Brandon Cooks becoming what I think they were hoping for in, in the off season. Like, cause he has, he's still an old man. <laughs> he's been a nothing. He's been yeah. a nothing for them. Again, again, one of the guy who's been a complete, like if nothing, the most, one of the most consistent receivers in the league um, on really bad teams. Um, he he's come in and I thought he was going to be a big factor for them. He's been an absolute nothing. Uh, they clearly missed Dalton Schultz. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they don't have really Jake Ferguson has not really stepped up and been the guy for them. Uh, so I think they missed that. And then like, I, I think they do miss having a, another back, maybe a power back. I don't think they miss Zeke. You know what I mean? I think they just miss having that extra, uh, power back. So they need somebody like, honestly, if I'm them, I, they're Chicago bears right now. Um, you know, they're, Khalil they're running backs. What was that? Khalil Herbert. No, um, right now, um, Dante Foreman. Dante Foreman is kind of rotting away, and he's been a healthy scratch the last few games. Uh, so honestly, like I would see, like he, you know, and his contract is basically nothing. Um, I would see what they want for him, um, and then you know, make an offer and try and get him because I think if you mix a guy like Dante Foreman and, to- and, uh, and Tony Pollard, it would it would be a lot better fit. Um, but I, again, is that going to save them? Is that going to turn them into a great team? Uh, no, probably not. Yeah, because the guy who's backing up uh, Tony Pollard right now, Rico Dowdle, Dodle, he's been on the team for three years. He's got 24 total carries for that entire time. And he played in five games last year and did not report any offensive statistics. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's they they really and they have Deuce Vaughn as well. Um, yeah, he's five five or whatever. Right, he, he's he's who is who is not clearly not a power back. You know, he's uh, he is a uh, more of like a change of pace guy, um, kind of your Darren Sproles type. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what you do, man. I, I honestly don't know what you do. Um, other than other than that, and maybe going out and and getting Devontae Adams. You know, going going big um, is really probably their only options at this point. Which today on the injury list for Dallas, uh, C.D. Lamb sat out for rest-related issues. I, if, if, which, it's, sure. if it's just rest, then that's fine. But uh, they can't afford losing. Him. Seems it seems a little bit early in the year for I think a rest though, right? Like it's been load management. It's kind of like the NBA has been doing. A lot of these guys have been getting rest, especially if they have. Um, I don't. I don't know if C.D. Lamb deals with like lower extremity stuff like hamstring issues or anything like that i'd have to look more into that but a lot mm-hmm. of times um, especially the big stars they'll typically give them uh rest games like you know giants would been doing it with saquon and um i think you know a lot of these guys reese hall's been questionable every week and he's played in every game yeah derrick yeah. henry derrick henry is the king of that right now although he looked like fucking shit this week uh 10 carries for 20 yards so i don't know 
but uh yeah fair but uh yeah i i but I, as right now they can't afford a single fucking loss they can't they like any any person they lose at this point will sink them completely so yeah i'll be curious to see what happens with with dallas because i don't think that I don't know, man. I think the wheels can fall off real fast in these next two weeks. Yeah, they're going to have to shake it off. Shake it off. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking subtle, Gatto. Real fucking subtle. (laughs) Jesus Christ. The The eye roll that I just just gave for you could fucking power a city. Get used to that because... I think we're we're bound to see this for the next couple of weeks. It's, I'm, I'm it's gonna it's gonna it. annoy the shit out of us. It's such I'm an unnecessary thing. Sick of it. Uh, Travis see, Kelsey, I fucking hate you. He doesn't realize like the plague in which he's actually brought to his fan base. Um, someone actually did a good job of explaining this. That there are roughly 180 fans of the NFL. There's 180 fans of taylor swift um she has significantly more diehards and they're willing to pay more money for glimpses of her and it might not seem like a big deal but the ticket prices for chiefs games have already gone up 33 percent. his jersey sales have gone up 400 percent um the hunt family should build a statue to travis kelsey for the amount of money that he's just brought in for them Sure, but it's going to detrimentally hurt you when you have an entire crowd that's there to look at one box and see the expression of the pretty blonde girl when her know. boyfriend I, makes a touchdown. <laughs> I'm, I'm, skeptical. I'm skeptical that like that's gonna like there, there's gonna be Swifties going to Chiefs games. It's already happening. The price is, is up. Really? The co- the cost of a ticket is up thirty three percent. Tickets, oh, uh, jersey sales, four hundred percent. I heard about this the jersey sales. I didn't know about. I didn't know if that Swifties were buying tickets. Yeah, it's they are. It's happening, and now it's... you're going to have fan bases that don't know the the game of football that are going to be there. <laughs> it's it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. It's I exactly what the Chiefs wanted. I will say this: it might be what the Chiefs wanted, but it's definitely not what the coaches wanted. No, and for sure not. I yeah. think. I mean, you're a smart man if you're Travis Kelsey, right? Because sure, he's getting a royalty off of that. He's, you know, sure. Every time his jersey sold, I mean, you get you a saw... I'm pretty sure you get you get royalties for your your merchandise being sold. Yeah, you get a, you get a percentage cut. Okay, but, it's not much. But here's the thing, though, is that we saw the level of like pandemonium around Jessica Simpson dating Tony Romo and she's not nearly the star that fucking Taylor Swift is. It's a new layer of criticality. This is now questions that everybody on the Chiefs has to answer and it's like ESPN is so starved with like actual good thoughts that this is going to be the only fucking thing that they run. Like mm-hmm. they were still running like Taylor Swift at the Chiefs game this morning and I'm like can you all just like have like an original thought for once please I was uh I was watching Red Zone on on Sunday and like the amount of times that they went back to it and I'm like my god like this is Red Zone like this is 
This is the one it's thing like I can understand. Yeah, it's for dudes. Yeah. It's for the boys. It used to be. Now it's for the swimmers. <laughs> <laughs> now it's going to have a fucking permanent like Taylor Swift is going to be in the fucking Octobox. Well, and the thing is too is if they break up, he's immediately the villain. Like he mm-hmm. will he will have his own song. The Swifties will like create some of that Illuminati like numerology bullshit about he has why cruel summer he'll be cruel fall. Yeah. Just cold winter or some bullshit like that. <laughs> Not my chief. Yeah. <laughs> Not my chief. I think we should patent or we should trademark all of these name ideas because they will happen. They will be on like an acoustic album that comes out. What is it? What is a good nickname for them? The Chiefs? No, like you know how there's like Benifer for J Lo and Ben Affleck. What do we say for the the Swifties? No, <laughs> no for for Travis Kelsey and her. So like you know like Ben Affleck and and J Lo is Benifer, right? So like, what's a good name couple name for them? Uh, it's a very good question. And- trailer. <laughs> Travis and Taylor? I don't know. <laughs> Trailer. Trailer Park. Trailer Park. Uh, I love it, Gatto. Yeah, I, I, listen, I whatever. You know, I mean, like, good for Travis Kelsey, but, like, let's fucking I just chill with the fucking coverage, man. Yeah, That's and like, it was hilarious when, like, all the Swifties found that video of Travis Kelsey, like, punching a teammate in, yes. like, spring, like, Oh, like this is not the guy we, you should be dating. But did you see the dangerous fuck, man? Kill? Like, yeah, he also plays fucking football. Like, are you right. aware of the whole sport? Did, did, did you, you guys see the game, right? Did you guys see the fuck Mary kill where they they said Ariana, uh, Katy Perry, and Taylor Swift? No, like that's got them up in an uproar right now because he said only to kiss Taylor Swift and marry Katy Perry. Oh, wow. <laughs> so wow. a war has been. Set like fucking middle school all over again. <laughs> Did you hear that Travis said he oh would only God. kiss her? Yeah. <laughs> Completely ignoring the fact that it, like one of the options was to kill if, somebody else. If <laughs> I'm if I'm if I'm going to any Chiefs game as an opposing fan, I am bringing Katy Perry everything with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, she's no longer with Russell Brand, thank God. Fucking. Oh boy, yeah. yeah. That was a thing. Yeah, they were. Married. Yeah, but she's a lowercase R Republican, though. She's oh yeah, like, she se- she's semi-pilled. So yeah, <laughs> fucking Russell Brand, man. Look, look at the the hell that has been brought upon us. The shit we're talking about now because of this. It's <sighs> like every fucking highlights. Like, yes, I know that the Chiefs scored, and yes, I know that Travis Kelsey caught a, caught a touchdown. And oh wow, I didn't miss this the first like seven times he showed this. But Taylor Swift is there. But share to share. Screaming, let's fucking go. The the Miami Dolphins have done something that hasn't been done in five decades, four decades. And yet it got less airtime, I think, than the fact that she was in the stands. You know what I mean? Like it's not even in the stands. She was in a booth. She can't be in the stands. That would be that would be a situation. That would be dangerous. <laughs> I saw that like somebody had leaked. A, uh, apparently was like the sheet she, she was given from a yeah. team. Like I don't, I don't think it's it, real. The, the public, their publicist said it was false or whatever. Yeah, I, I imagine yeah. it was not. It, did, it didn't look like it was real, but it was like, don't do the job. <laughs> so don't funny. do the. Yeah, it was in big bubble letters. Like you'll get canceled if you do the job. 
and it's just oh, so funny. <sighs> I appreciate so funny. all of the Swifties like having to do like a football breakdown for all those. That was ho- genuinely hilarious watching people watching Swifties on Twitter going like, "But what's a down mean? I don't understand what it means." And they're just trying to like figure it out. But the NFL is probably loving this though because they're just getting all these new fans that would have never watched before. They think yeah, they're getting who's a sketchy player that they, else, they, man. Who's a sketchy player that they've been able to bury and not talk about this year? Because now Taylor Swift is like hanging out with Travis Kelsey, uh, Allen Williams, and his whole debacle. Yeah, what what happened with that? Like, it's was he, he watching resigned. kitty porn? Was he watching kitty porn? Is this the Bears' defensive coordinator? Yeah. Um, the team came out and said that that was not the case, but then lewd or, conduct. Yeah, some it was weird an fucking violation. I don't know, man. I don't know what was going on. There. Was he playing the egg game at work? <laughs> he wasn't game planning. I'm not in trouble at all. <laughs> <laughs> this is completely fine. He's I mean, carrying boxes, his box out. He's like, I think we should be able to watch a little porn at work. We should be able to watch a little porn at work. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Tim Robinson's got a sketch for everything. They man. they they described it as inappropriate activity. He's watching porn at work. Um, Something. I don't know, man. I, I I can't figure that out for the life of me. Um, I don't know, man. The fact that you gotta the fact that you have to resign after police or was it FBI raid your house? That wasn't real. That apparently oh, that was not thing? real. Yeah, yeah apparently that was that was, that was they're saying that, that what? Was not, <laughs> his house was not raided. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Because that was the that was like opening headlines on like every outlet yeah like that was I, all over the place yeah apparently that was not real um what but again I, I don't know i really don't know so maybe this is just another like domestic abuse thing or but it's not getting like if that was the case we'd hear about it i don't know you know what we'll, we'll i'm sure that details will come out at some point somebody's gonna be paying attention to this yep madness all right, guys, what do you say? Want to wrap it up? Sure. Cool. So we are going to move on to um, assholes and picks of the weeks. But before you do that, if you're new to the show, do us a favor and hit the like and subscribe button and follow us on all your favorite social media platforms. Do us a favor, share us with your friends. We don't talk about Taylor Swift that much, but I talk about her a lot. I don't know about you guys. I mean, it's on your blog, but. Since you spoke up and you have things to say, Q, who is your asshole of the week? Oh, there's just so many of them this week. But I'm going to have to go with our Canadian Prime Minister, uh, Justin Trudeau. Trudeau. Um, Yeah, so I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, Justin Trudeau provided a tribute in the uh, Canadian House um, for a World War II veteran who bravely fought the Russians. Now, if that doesn't sound an alarm in your head, I don't know what does, because as you know, Russia didn't fight Canada and the U.S. in the World War II. Sure didn't. Yes, he indeed was an SS officer. And uh, so they gave a standing ovation to a Ukrainian soldier who was, in fact, a Nazi. So, um, yeah, really, really interesting stuff coming out of Canada. Can we also ill-informed? Can we also <laughs> lump in all of the people on Twitter that were trying to like rationalize yes. that? 
again, partisanship goes many different ways. And if you are like, if you're not willing to call out Justin Trudeau for this is the biggest, easiest way to go like, hey, I'm a leftist, but like, I, I even think this is fucking stupid. But people will find any reason to ultimately support it. Because How did nobody like ask like, hey, back in like World War II, which direction were you shooting in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy to me. I just want to double check. <laughs> I think people just get so like this is like we had a conversation about this a long time ago about Ukraine and like the serious problems that they do have with with like again going back to World War II. And like like nobody even thought for a second to be like this this guy says he was fighting Russians. It's weird. Like I, I don't remember Russia fighting the, like us in World War II. Like no one just even took a fucking second, man. It's just insane to me. Insane. Yeah, it's wild. Don't do that. Do your research. <laughs> it's not hard, man. Jeez. It really is not hard to just fucking like take a second. But yeah, so Justin Trudeau, congratulations. Dummy. Gotta who you got. Mine's a little less nefarious, but I was on my way home earlier today and I got stuck behind a bus. And if there's one thing that pisses me off more than anything, it's, it's getting stuck behind it's getting stuck behind a bus filled with children. I don't understand why you gotta do 10 under the speed limit. Like they're they're they can bounce back from accidents, you know? They're 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 young, they're spry, uh, you know, whatever. No, I'm kidding. That's that's terrible. But um, speak on it, King. What I did, <laughs> what I did notice was the road that I was on had recently been paved, and it went down from two lanes to one lane. And um, what they did with the second lane was they turned it into a bike lane. Now, when I ever mention bike lanes to people, I usually get one of two reactions. Mine, which is fuck that bike lane, it is unnecessary. Especially on Long Island, where there's maybe like seven people that ride their, their bikes long distance. My right? dad doesn't or... live on Long Island anymore, so that's six now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, essentially, I got to ask, why the fuck do we do this? Mm. Um, because what has also happened is this bike lane has caused, there's a, there's a community that has a uh, traffic light up the road. And um, Paul used to live in it, by the way. <laughs> and, and when he would, uh, when when people pull out of there, they make these terrible turns and they're these wide turns and they almost always cut people off for whatever weird reason. I don't know if it's because they're going so far, they're not paying attention um, when they start their turn or whatever, but it seems like it's almost created more of an accident. And considering how few people are actually using this bike lane, it's not the green initiative that I think, you know, the community thinks it is. Um, and frankly, I don't think it makes it safer for bikers anyhow, because people still get pissed and frustrated, cut off into that, into that lane to go around people. Um, so I, I just want to say that, you know, maybe you should think about the size of the population that uses certain things before you start chopping up the lines and making stupid bike paths that nobody asked for. So that's that's my rant. I'm sticking with it. Fuck Gato, you, bike lanes. Well, Gato doing the brave task. Plate. Yeah, Gato doing the brave task of taking on bikers. It's fucking noble. He is the modern day Don Quixote. 
how dare you fucking do something for your fucking health and good for the environment? Listen, it's not, but it's not doing anything <laughs> for the environment. No one uses it except for like maybe, like I said, like there's like 10 people that use it on a Sunday morning when nobody else is around anyhow at that time because only losers are getting up that early to drive or ride their bike long distance like that. Yeah. No offense losers. to your dad. I love him. He's a great man. Um, not on Long Island anymore, though. So, yeah, talk, and, your, talk your shit, God. And, and I, talk I, your I, shit, and, King. And then that's what I'm saying. This, this, it's ridiculous to me that they put this thing in here because I don't know how many people actually need it. You know what I mean? It's just a pointless thing that has made everybody else's life miserable on that road. So, I'm done. I'm done. I'm. Do you know what? I'm fucking done. You're done. Okay, good. Um, so my asshole of the week is going to be <sighs> student loans are coming back, man. Coming back fast. Um, what's that? Tell me about it. Um, so I guess my asshole of the week is going to be the entire grand old party because they are threatening a government shutdown. They have four days to be able to put a budget together and they're threatening a government shutdown. And this is bad for a number of reasons. Government shutdowns are always fucking terrible for the economy. They're terrible, terrible for Americans, government employees, what have you. But in this case, you have a government shutdown starting while student loans are due during a workers strike for auto plants like Talk about not understanding perspective on what's going to work and what's not going to work for the United States. Like it goes back to kind of like the, the dangerous proposition that Kevin McCarthy put together when he became the speaker of the house, where he said like, I'm willing to do the bidding of these fringe weirdos who love to go to Beetlejuice and also who love to wear weird clothes. Matt <laughs> um, and he's essentially being held hostage because of those idiots. And then you got Tommy Tuberville in the Senate too, who refuses to vote on any fucking military leadership. So the U.S. the U.S. Army just said like, "Hey, we're not going to have any more bases in Alabama." I think we I think we were waiting for these chickens to come home to roost, right? For McCarthy. Like, oh, they're back. Like, yeah, I think because like I think for the most part, it's been pretty um, easy going for him um, so far. He's and, had to wrangle them, but they have not like pushed back on him. Yeah, like that. and now he, this is really probably the worst it's ever been. And he's not going to hold a vote, by the way, um, on a on a an aversion for the shutdown. So it's uh, it's full steam ahead at this point. He cannot do anything because they can just ultimately just replace him. Uh, but I but again, this is good because ultimately, I mean, as much as it's it's not good, right? Because it's gonna it's gonna cause a lot of problems for people. It just goes to show that they ha they do not have a concise plan to battle this. And all they're really going to do is end up hurting people on Main Street. And and if that's what they want to do going into an election year, then have fun, guys. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I know these polls have not been good national for Biden so far. And I I remain skeptical how, how he's going to do. But, I mean, Republicans just don't seem to have a real good idea of, like, a, a, a real cumulative strategy. Like, again, like, I've always said that the Republicans have a good idea of like working together on horrible things but they, they at least they stick together they it seems that that is pretty much gone at this point yeah and just a, obviously like 
as I said earlier, like a government shutdown is bad, but not seeing how all of these pieces fit together is going to be catastrophic. Like the housing market, it's going to have a 30% drop in overall sales and value. Like you have the, 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 the workers strike, there's other unions that are threatening to strike as well. And you're going to have all of these government sponsored programs cease to operate during a shutdown. And it's contrasted with Joe Biden going to Detroit and joining in a picket line. And again, this is them just not reading the room and thinking that they have more support than what's actually there. If I'm Kevin McCarthy or if I'm in any kind of leadership position where I'm just kind of like coasting within the Republican Party, I am fucking terrified because this is the stuff that you don't want to happen. You don't want to have happen under your watch when you're in control, because if you're in control and there's still a shutdown, you are fucked. It means you can't lead. So congrats, you're Kevin. You're screwed from either end because you either the, the independents will hate you for not stopping it from happening. Mm-hmm. And the Republicans will, you know, the Republican voter will hate you because you, if you try and avert, if you try and ultimately avert the shutdown, they'll hate you. So yep. you're really screwed from both angles. Yeah. Um, so that's my asshole of the week. Gato, why don't you give us your pick of the week? So, uh, I, you know, there's actually a good chance that somebody might have even called this a pick, but I was channel surfing Paramount Plus uh, for the first time uh, the other day, and I came across a series that I'm looking to get into. It is called The Author. It's been out for a while, actually. Um, it is about the making of the film The Godfather. Oh, and yeah. yeah. Um, it looks really, really good. Uh, you got Miles Tellers, Albert Ruddy, uh, Matthew Good, Robert Evans. Um, who else is in here? Colin Hanks is in here. Uh, Lou Ferrigno. Ferrigno. <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a pretty good cast going on in this thing. Um, and uh, it just, it looks intriguing. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've ever seen a series that was based on this idea. So it's original and kind of creative to see the other side of, you know, the making of the movie in a dramatic, you know, kind of fashion like this. So it's checking a lot of boxes for me. I'm going to give it a look. I've heard really good things about it. Interesting. I haven't gone yeah. around to it, but it's on my list for sure. Yeah, you yeah. got to let us know how it is. Will do. Q, what you got? So uh, over the weekend, I watched a uh, a new Hulu movie called uh, No One Will Save You. And it's a basically kind of like a home invasion movie, um, but it's centered around aliens. It's a very goofy B movie. Um, like, I think people don't realize how, like, there's definitely comedic elements to it, but uh, there's actually no spoken. I think there's one word yep. of spoken dialogue in it. I started so watching it, it the other day. Yeah, it is very. <laughs> it, I, I was like sitting here. I'm like, this is weird. Oh, oh, and I realized it was a, it was a choice that they chose not to have any dialogue in it. Um, but I, I really actually came away. Um, I it, it suffers from showing the aliens too much, in my opinion. Mm. Like there is a kind of a twist towards the end that I really appreciated. Um, it definitely looks bad, like CGI wise, but the the action is pretty well done. And considering 
what Caitlyn Dever had to probably go through as far as like a green screen. Like she really sold it that she was like, it, it was really good. I, I, it's just a really fun kind of popcorn movie that I, I just really came away enjoying. Kind of felt like, um, almost felt like a Twilight Zone episode. Interesting. I, I have to say, I've watched a lot of things with Caitlyn Dever in it, and she's she's got some good range. She's kind of yeah, she's, she's pretty talented. She's talented. very talented. Talented. Yeah. <laughs> talented. Yeah. Yeah, she's very talented. I I I actually came away very impressed uh, with the movie itself. So I I'm uh, I I definitely very much uh, recommend. It, again, it's like an hour and a half. It's not long. And uh, it's it, it just it was just really fun because there's no dialogue. You don't get that invested, also, which is an well, interesting part. Well, it's it, <laughs> it's a tough choice to make, man, because like that is that is a really tough sell because when you're not saying anything and like you don't really know what's going on, like because you can tell, like so basically she's very isolated in her her own home. She's, she's like she, shunned by the community. She's very much shunned by the local community. Um, you don't know why and until the end, but it's just, it's just uh, it was it was like again I I just give them a lot of credit because that that is a hard sell because most people will probably tap out pretty quick on that. So um, to see that you know, and this is the same guy by the way, Tom. You're you're the love you love Cocaine Bear. He was a producer on that. Yeah. Um, was, was this a um, writer's strike movie? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I think it might have been. Um, yeah, they found a way around. Bring back silent films. But <laughs> Brian Brian Duffield, uh, very talented filmmaker. So uh, it, I'm, I'm glad. To, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what he does next after this. Oh, principal photography took place in April to June of 2022. So oh, okay. it's, no. it's not a. Uh, it was just a choice. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I think like it's a it. You need to find a way to stand out in. You need to find a way to stand out in like the alien, like thriller genre. Alien and home invasion movies, like, yeah, are, are both relatively played out at this. Point. Yeah, I mean the the Venn diagram is pretty full at this point right. of aliens and people breaking into your house. And it was a very traditional alien looking, like you know, big head alien types. But there was some nice twists that they kind of <laughs> did. So I was like, I was actually kind of impressed with the. Some of the decisions they made, some of them were weird, uh, but again, like the overall, like again, it's not a perfect movie, but like there are the sum of all parts was was very enjoyable. Yeah, cool. We got a fan pick this week. Thank you, Nate. Yeah, my wife watched A Man Called Otto, and she was crying on the plane. So, yeah. <laughs> Tom Hanks. Tom shout Hanks out Emily. You're just putting Emily on blast right now. Yeah. I'm just crying. burning her on a flight back from like Europe and she's just bawling her eyes out in the middle seat. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, my pick of the week is going to be one that we had briefly mentioned last week, which was dumb money. Saw it mm. over the weekend. Fucking hysterical. It's if you liked the big short, it's kind of that same like it's the production. Wall Street Bet stuff, right? Yeah, it's about the GameStop short sale and the, mm -hmm. the Wall Street Bets guys and the, the Diamond Hand crew. It's a really interesting Diamond way. Eyes. Yeah, it's a really interesting <laughs> way shot because they talk about Keith Gill, they talk about the um the investment banks or the, the hedge funds. And then just like the normal schmucks that like got in on the ground floor. 
really, really enjoyable film. I liked Paul Dano in this, and I feel like everything I, I see, I really enjoy. Um, I love Paul Dano. He's, he's so good. Pete yeah. Davidson, sneaky funny in this as well. Um, I, it, I'm kind of hot and cold with him, but if that, you, if he you, he's not in it a lot, but there was a movie that came out last year. I think I made it in my pick of the week a long time ago, Bodies, 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 that uh, mm-hmm. Pete Davidson's in. He's actually really funny in it. So I, I actually give him credit. He's not just amazing at pulling. Um, he's also <laughs> has moments of being really funny. He's got great range. No, he is amazing at that too. But that's the man story. is a fucking legend. Derek Renaissance man. Derek Jeter numbers of pulling, man. It's crazy. <laughs> but I, I mean, it was the the movie. Um, I think it's got like a limited release because it's only made three million in the box office right now, according to Wikipedia. But hmm. it's gotten good reviews. It's a really good movie because it talks about like. A lot of the things that we talk about here on this show, which is the the shitty things that some of these hedge funds will do to like legacy companies like GameStop, like AMC Movie Theater, and how a lot of these people who were impacted during COVID said, fuck it, we're not going to be doing this anymore. But also how Robin Hood was actually not like the good guys that they said they were. No. They were actually pretty shitty. And this is a nice compendium piece from the Netflix documentary about GameStop. And then having this is more of like a, a goofy narrative, but well done. I'd recommend anybody go see it. You don't need to know a ton about um, buying and selling stock. You don't need to know a ton about that situation. You just need to know that every time you went into GameStop trying to sell games, they would fuck you. <laughs> anybody that's Wait, in the game you needed a movie to tell you this yeah just go in no there. I, I needed a movie to remind me of do, do yourself a favor if you want to experiment it go buy the new madden open up the package and then try and sell it back to them and see what they offer you yeah go buy a game can for you even do bucks. that anymore i mean i just download the games i buy now yeah i mean you can you can now you can still buy it um the virtual copy i would still I, i'm still doing that just because uh. like physical media is because uh, you like to download the installer off the disc and then have yeah. your have your device have your console do the rest of the downloading online later anyhow exactly. i got you yep. i got you, you got me. <laughs> i will say though like the cost of video games hasn't changed even though i download all of mine off of websites nope it's still 60 bucks which is bullshit but we need to bring live limewire back 70 now how much Madden is 70? 70 like, bucks now. Yeah. Is the worst rated not... the worst rated Madden of all time is 70 bucks. Our games I have, I have is it really the worst one? I have I heard I heard it was supposed to be good this time. I didn't buy it. Nope, they're just they're all just as bad. Like ever since they've it. moved to like the new Xbox and the new PlayStation, the people at EA Sports have not been able to figure out how to run the program properly. Yeah, they're using like the Frostbite engine. Which was originally built for Battlefield One, right? So it's complete shit, and like all the cool things about like franchise and all that are just gone. So yep, all of the honestly, bring back Madden two thousand six with Donovan McNabb on there. Just upload the new rosters. I'll take it from here. Yeah, honestly, loved all that shit. Yeah, that like the the training camp stuff was cool, and like they just they they figured it out, and then they're just like, yeah, now. We're gonna run this new engine and it fucking yeah. sucks dick. People are gonna buy this shit whether it's good or not, and this is fine. 
Like, that is the sad part is that unless that stops, people they won't do anything to really fix well, it. Well, EA and their contract with the NFL as the sole provider of NFL-branded oh, games God. ends, I think, at the end of this year. Please, God. Oh, so, yeah, just bring back NCAA. Thank you, Nate. Appreciate you on that one. That's but crazy. if you can get another, like, AAA, like, Microsoft or – if 2K wants to come back out with an NFL game, God, bring I it. love 2K. Bring oh, 2K with TO on 5 Give me that. Fantastic. Me that. Love yeah, that they, game. Madden needs competition. I'm fine with them having a contract for the NFL, but, like, step up your fucking game. And if you're not going to, let 2K compete. Yeah. They were the, they were the sole um, – they were the only people that were allowed to create NFL content. Yeah, they don't have to do anything. They can literally just make a shit product and like no one can do anything about it. You have to buy it if unless you want to play an NFL game. If you don't, you know, like that's you know, you're kind of screwed. So the NBA got that right because they let EA and 2K have contracts. So yes. they pit the two against each other and you get a better product. Yeah. There's two baseball games Whoa. too, right? There's the show and petition makes things better makes believe products better that's right believe it or not fuck out of here you guys you guys with your liberal monopolies <laughs> are bad no but they are not when bad. i was growing up monopoly not good. Good. they just have to be sanctioned properly but when i oh, okay up, monopoly good i want monopoly all right that's all i got anything else guys that's all i got tom right. used to be the thimble when you play monopoly weren't you now it's the race car. Ooh, I like to play the battleship. You would. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to put. I just want to point out, guys. My my team is getting back uh, Alvin Kamara this week, so you're fucking dead. Yeah, That's enjoy cool. your thirty-two yards on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get Jonathan Tower back. What week five? Week six? You're all fucking done. Yeah. So okay. Famous, la- famous last words. Picked up Tank Dell this week. Fucking done. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that does it for another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We were talking about the NFL. Obviously, more to come on that. But if you like what you heard or you want to engage in the conversation, do us a favor and like and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, all the streaming platforms, as well as going on to social media and using your little fingies and clicking follow on Twitter and uh, Instagram. But if you want us to talk about your team and why they suck or how they can be better, let us know in the comments. Send us a direct message. We will talk about them. We will be positive, negative, depending on how much you pay us. Like and subscribe. We will see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Get me a rhythm. Then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Suck it, Jack Sparrow. (laughs)